Well, it is good to be back with you today. Um, To all of you who are online, those at our campuses, I I welcome you. And I haven't had the chance to say it yet, so I'm saying it today. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. We, for the last year, have been on what we call the same page. Every week, really every day, we read a giant section of Scripture of the Bible that led us through the entire story of God. And I want to thank Peter for closing that out last Sunday in an extraordinary way. Um, That was just fantastic. And I just couldn't have thought of any better way to wrap up an entire year um, than the way that that, uh, he did that last, last week. It's a new year. And that means we are turning the page now on a new study. Uh, The author of this new study is Dr. Luke. And we are going to learn um, a good bit about him as we journey through this book that bears his name in the Bible, the Gospel of Luke. But Luke is going to tell us a story that leads us to see the powerful picture of a people who follow Jesus as though they have nothing to lose. And so I want to invite you to make this journey with us. Um, I, I want to invite you to read through this book of Luke with us. There is a reading plan. Um, you, can, you can get it online. It's on the very front page of the website, heartoflife.org. You can pick up a hard copy at any of the campuses. And each day, it gives you a few verses to focus on. Now, that's different than last year where every day you had five chapters to read. This year, you got like five verses to read on most days. And so I I want you to to join with us. Read read along. Um, Even if you're starting today, obviously, you're no further behind than the very first chapter that we're going to talk about today. And that's the way it's going to be every week. We'll talk about something that we read during that week. There's even a memory verse attached to each week. And I want to encourage you not to be afraid of that. Don't run from that. Our kids are going to be memorizing this scripture. What better thing than for families to do that together? I've already had people, honestly, a handful of people at least say to me, Jeff, I like this way better. And I'm going to admit I do too. Now, don't get me wrong. I think last year was right where we were supposed to be. We needed to be stretched last year in that way to read the entire story. But I think there's something about being able to focus on some small sections as we make our way through. I am excited to see where God takes us. Following Jesus as though we have nothing to lose. Dr. Luke What exactly does that look like? Well, he starts with a crib. Actually, two cribs he's going to start with. And yes, I know this is not a crib. I am both a father and a grandfather. I'm highly qualified. I know that this is not an actual crib, but it's mobile and it serves the point today. You you understand the, the, the point that this serves Two families, two couples are involved in chapter one. We've got a man by the name of Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth. 
You will hear me refer to them most of the time as Zach and Liz. That's just kind of habit for me. The other couple, perhaps you've heard of them, Mary and Joseph. Oh, yeah. So these two couples, stories for each. Zach gets most of the FaceTime when it comes to that couple, and Mary's going to get most of the FaceTime when it comes to her and Joseph's story. Luke starts by making sure that we understand the common ground between Zach and Mary's story. Now, these stories happen at least six months apart. Could have been a little bit longer than that, but at least six months apart, these stories happen. But I want you to pay attention to how similar they are. For example, neither have a child. Both demonstrate a godly life. So let's pause right there, and and I'm going to tell you that in both Zach and Liz's case, as well as in Joseph and Mary's case, they would have both bought the T-shirt. And from what the Bible says about them, how they followed God, how they, they, they... They seem to, they should wear the t-shirt. Let's keep going. An angel appears to both. Both are fearful of the angel. Now, I talked about this a little bit in Christmas Eve, right? Why is it that every time the supernatural shows up to human beings, human beings are, are afraid? I think it's because we know who we are, and if he's here, then it must be to give me what I deserve. They're both fearful The angel tells both, don't be afraid. Both are promised a child. Both respond with a question. Both births require a miracle. Neither of these births happen if God doesn't do what he does. Both situations involve the power of the Holy Spirit. Both are given a child. Both are given the name for their child. Both children are described as great. I would say, according to the Bible, the two greatest who've ever walked the planet. And both will sing a song of praise to God. Now, that's just my list. I probably missed a few things. I'm just saying, two stories, six months apart, that is an incredible parallel to see the same thing happen in both. But Dr. Luke is also strategic in helping us see what Zechariah and Mary do not have in common. One is old and the other is young. We've got a male and a female, and that meant something in that day. We've talked about that before. One is married. That's Zach. Mary is single. She is not married. I know she's engaged, but she's not married. One is a priest. And one is a teenager. That's kind of a different place in life, right? One would be recognized because he is a priest. One would be more obscure. I'm not saying that nobody knew who Mary was. I'm just saying she doesn't hold any positions of power in her culture. Now, I see what's in common, and I see what's not in common. Now we're ready to learn some incredible truths from the stories 
that Luke gives us. Here's the first. God doesn't bless according to age, gender, status, or credentials. God blesses according to his own good purpose and abundant grace. Both of these blessings, both of these babies are a part of God's great purpose as really is all the blessings that God ever gives us. But what I want us to think about is it just seems that such a giant blessing here, such a miraculous event here, it seems as though the one who would be most qualified to receive such a blessing would be Zechariah. Because of his age and his gender and his status and his credentials, I mean, he's, he's older. He, he is a man. And again, in that day, men held the power. He's married. And he's a priest. Mary, on the other hand, appears to, I'm not saying she's wrong, I'm just saying she's young. She's just a teenager. Right? She, she's a woman which, which means she was often seen as less. She's not married, much less qualified to be a parent. And she holds no titles or positions in the world in which she lives. Nevertheless, God chooses to bless both of them. Through a miracle, he gives each of them a son. If God doesn't act, neither one of these couples have a baby. Each of them is the fulfillment of a promise that God had made a long, long time ago, as in Abraham a long time ago, like book of Genesis a long time ago. But it's not dependent on either Zach or Mary's credentials that they find this favor with God, God's great purpose to save people from every tribe, every tongue, every nation. It is in that great purpose that they both are blessed. Read it again. God doesn't bless. Let's go back. God doesn't bless according to age, gender, status, or credentials. God blesses according to his own good purpose and abundant grace. Here's why I'm saying this to you. Some of us, and I don't know, maybe it's most of us, I'm going to put me in the category. We have a tendency to evaluate God's blessing by whether or not he gives us what we want. I'm going to say it again. We have a tendency to evaluate God's blessing by whether or not he gives us what we are asking for rather than seeing that whatever God gives us is the greatest blessing. Why do we know that? Because God is good. He's good in every thought. He's good in every motive. He's good in every act. And so he knows what's best for me. He only works in accordance for what's best for me. Whatever God has actually given me, it's best. 
But that is really, really, really hard to digest when I want something really, really bad. And when I want something, but it's not being given, I feel like God's holding out on me. I start to ask questions, what's wrong with me? What am I doing wrong? And then after a while, I move toward what's wrong with God, that he will not give me what I want and what I deserve. And we got to start here because therein lies a huge obstacle for the life of following Jesus with nothing to lose. Here's the obstacle. I think I own it, and I don't own it. I mean, it is for a lot of people the very first step that we just continue to trip over. I think it's mine, and it's not mine. I think I deserve what I have, and I don't. But I'm afraid it really is the thinking, this is why we think 2020 stunk. So 2021 is going to be fantastic. Why? Because we deserve a good year. If we went through this, then we deserve something better. But the truth is that absolutely everything I have, including every breath that I get to take, it is a blessing from God given for me to enjoy his greatness and to be used to declare his greatness to the world. The reality is I have never been in control of any of that. Never, I just act like it. And you've never been in control of any of that. We just act like it. And we somehow think that our, our age or our status or our credentials we deserve. Hmm. Well, this leads us to the second great truth that we find from these two most remarkable stories. This is it. Faith in God is not automatic with age, gender, status, or credentials. Faith is an all-in trusting response to God's promises. So, in the two stories that we're working with in Luke chapter 1, what's the response from Zach and Mary? A promise from God through an angel is given. What is their response to this announcement of the blessing? Well, here's Zach's response, verse 18. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. What's Mary's response? Here's what Mary says, verse 34. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. Now, at first glance, those questions look very similar. They really do. Those, those questions, the, the verbiage of the questions look, look very close. But what we know from the story is that God clearly knew the heart difference between those two questions. 
Because what is made clear is that when Mary asks how, it seems to be that she really does believe what God has said. It is going to happen. She just can't yet understand how her not being married, which means she ain't practicing any of the blessings of marriage. How, if this ain't happening, is that going to happen? God, I don't understand how. While Zechariah, on the other hand, when he says how can, it doesn't seem to be so much about the how. It's a question of can God really do anything about this situation? What follows is the angel's response, which is actually one of my favorite parts of this whole chapter. I have a hard time reading it without an attitude because I just imagine, right, the angel said to him, dude, I am Gabriel. And I stand in the presence of God. Can't you see him? It's like some hands are moving. I mean, head shaking. He's like, dude, you don't even know who you're talking to. I am Gabriel, and I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words. You weren't just asking how. You, you don't believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Angel shows up at church, announces for a blessing from God, and the priest doesn't believe. All right, let's boo, Zechariah. Can we boo, boo, boo? That's a sorry excuse for a preacher, right? Or maybe we should look a little bit at Zach's story. The story is that Zach and Liz are both preacher's kids. They both grew up in the priestly line. So a couple of preacher's kids who've been married for a long, long time, but for the entirety of their marriage, they've wanted to have a baby. And yet they have struggled with infertility. And it says in this story, they felt the disgrace. That was the culture of that day. You couldn't have kids. It was seen as disgraceful. Probably questions would be asked. What have you done wrong? Why are you not pleasing God? Why is he not blessing you? And then there is also a stinging detail. They are old. They're old. Meaning time has passed. For those who have ever had to struggle with this issue of infertility, you, you are well aware of how stressful everything of life can become when this is your burden. I'm saying even the beautiful things, even something as beautiful as sex can become this hope-killing, soul-stealing, month-by-month science experiment trying to figure out what's wrong. Well, Zach and Liz have done this for years and years and years and years to the point they gave up. And yes... Zach would stand in the temple and declare the greatness of God. And then when he lays his head on the pillow at night, there are tears rolling down his face because he can feel his wife 
weeping. And he has no answers for her. So, on the day that he finds himself in the temple on behalf of the people, he's there to make sure that the incense is burning. Suddenly, bam, there's an angel. And the Bible says that he's gripped with fear. So I don't want you to miss this picture. Here he is standing in the temple. The temple is the physical space clearly defined as the place where God's presence dwells at that time. He shows up and Zach is shocked. Hmm. A minister who no longer seems to privately believe the truth that he publicly declares to everybody else. I'm saying maybe, just maybe more of us have more in common with Zach than we thought. Maybe now, maybe at some other time in your life, I would say that whether you are a professing Christian or whether you are a professing atheist, (laughs) unfortunately, most people just tend to not expect God to intervene. They don't. And maybe it's because of what you wrestled with last week or last month or last year. What happened? You prayed, you believed, and nothing happened. And so what happens as a result is exactly what happened to Zechariah. It's called a lid. I just close shop. And I don't let anything get through anymore. I'm just going to start doing my thing in life, but I'm not really expecting God to ever break in because he has it. And I'm saying for some people, they live that way under the the banner of Christianity. For some people, it's a secular, self-focused passion. But in both cases, you are deeply affected by an airtight, anti-miracle, anti-supernatural world. And you're trapped because you have closed yourself to the possibility that God will ever break in. I want you to consider what that thing might be for you. Is there something that you've been praying for? For years and years and years? Maybe that thing that would shock you if God actually did it? Or maybe it's what you absolutely don't pray for anymore because you prayed for a long time and nothing nothing ever happened When it finally happened for Zechariah, he was shocked because he was not expecting God to intervene. But the angel says, and you should go back and read this, the angel says, your prayer has been answered, it's going to happen. 
I love these kind of passages when I have to deal with people who want to look me in the eye and say, if you will just believe enough, then it will happen. If you will just believe more, if you will just have enough faith, if you will just get it together, Jeff, then whatever you ask for, he will give. I will point you to these types of passages where we got a man praying who doesn't even seem to believe that God can. And God did it. God did it. And so now Zach's mind's racing. He's ra- it's racing. He just got news that he never expected to hear. How am, how am I, how are we? How, how am I going to tell her? And in the middle of that thought, the angel says, you're not going to tell her because you're going to be silent. Because you didn't believe, you're not going to be able to speak until this baby's born. How is Zach going to get such a message across to Liz, right? Unable to speak. He goes home. He lights some candles. He pours some grape juice. He puts some Marvin Gaye on, and he slips her a note that says, Baby, we got to do God's will. Okay, I made that up. But I bet that'll get used somewhere along the way. Here's the truth. He struggled to believe, and so does Liz. How do I know that? I know that because it says even after she was pregnant for five months, she still got the lid on. She hasn't told a soul. Why in the world would you do that? I would like to suggest that maybe over the course of a long marriage, I would imagine that Elizabeth thought she was pregnant a time or two or a dozen. There appeared to be the evidence. And then... Or maybe she knew the pain of a miscarriage, a baby, and then no. Or maybe it was all those times in the grocery store that the little old ladies would look at her and say, oh, honey, you are just glowing. You must be pregnant only for a few weeks to pass. And then the answer was no. Maybe it was the baby shower they gave that one time when they, when they, it, they really thought she was going to have a baby and then, no. Maybe it's always having to be excited or the couple who's having the new little one while you hold back the tears and declare, oh, your baby boy, he is so beautiful. Oh, your baby girl, she is so beautiful. Shattered dreams had led to self-doubt so that even when it became a reality, she kept the lid on for five months. I don't think it's hard to imagine that and those of you who will hear my voice in this talk, that that could be where some of you are now. 
Truth be told, an angel could show up at your door with neon lights of a sign from God saying, you know what, it's going to be okay. You know what, things are going to work out. You know what, the pain even that you have endured, God is working for good to prepare you for something even greater. In all that, there are still some of us that in the back of our mind, there is this lingering doubt because of the reminder of the failures of the past and our doubts and our fears have choked out all the joy from our heart. But I want you to hear this. God has not left you here. God would not let Liz keep hiding. So not only does God send an angel to Mary, but then he sends Mary to Liz. (laughs) I'm going to say to some of you today, maybe you know somebody who's hiding You know somebody who's got the lid on because the doubts and the the fears of their life is keeping them from experiencing the joy that you know God wants them to live in. I'm saying maybe the start of your new year is to say, God, would you enable me to reach out to them? But before you teach them the Bible study, Make sure you ask God, God, help me know how to love them. God, help me know how to love them. And yeah, they need to know your word, but God, help me know how to love them out of their doubt into joy. God, help help me to know how to love them out of their fear into faith. Because I'm telling you, Zach and Liz knew the answers. They're preacher's kids. He's now a priest, but they are struggling to believe. They doubt. Man, I am so glad that preachers don't doubt anymore. Sure we do. Because none of us are exempt from the battle. Now contrast all of that with Mary's encounter. It goes like this. Mary, you're going to have a baby. (laughs) Mary's like, how? Well, you're going to conceive by the Holy Spirit. Your child's going to be the son of God. And this is Mary's response. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Wow. Now, I'm not saying that God hasn't done a tremendous work in this, in this young lady's life. I'm not saying that God's grace isn't all over her from the day she was born, preparing her for such a moment, but I'm just saying, how beautiful and how simple is that? And then when Mary gets to Liz, Liz has words for Mary. This is what Liz says to her in verse 45. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promise to her. That's Liz saying, Mary, blessed because you believed. You believed. And I'm assuming that Liz didn't say that extra loud knowing that Zach was in the other room, right? Right? Mary, I'm so glad that you believed God's promise. Right, honey? Right, honey? Oh, yeah, you can't talk. Because you didn't believe. I don't think that's how it went down. Because I think by now, Liz has learned what Zach has learned. 
faith is not automatic with age, gender, status, or credentials. Faith is an all-in trusting response to God's promises. Now, I want to make sure real quick that we understand something here, though. Belief, faith is not groundless. It's not. What I mean is we learned that in the very first day that we read the very first verses of Luke because this is what Luke said when he starts the book. Take, check it out. I myself have carefully investigated. I too decided to write an orderly account so that you may know the certainty of the things that you have been taught. Isn't that cool? I investigated. I have written them out so that you can investigate and be certain. I'm telling you that faith, I'm not speaking as though faith is groundless. No, Luke says there's, there is solid ground beneath these truths. So here's what I want us to get. When your heart is right, God is not opposed to you seeking understanding. Don't ever let anybody tell you you should never ask God why. Where'd they get that? Maybe here. But really, when you look at the whole story, no. Mary asked, how? When your heart is right, God's not opposed to you seeking understanding. However, it is possible to demand too much evidence before you believe God's promises. There comes a time where it becomes obvious, even to myself, I'm not actually asking God how. I am declaring, God, I don't think you can. And he knows the difference. Which leads us to one last quick lesson. But Luke doesn't want us to miss it. Here's what it is. Forgiveness is not achieved with age, gender, status, or credentials. A moment of unbelief doesn't have to define your relationship with God. This is a time of year where some of you were reminded that you have opinionated families. Um, it's the time of year that even though this year is a little off in terms of as many large families getting together, it can still be a little dicey. It, it can still be a little tense. Well, such is the case when Zach and Liz have a baby. Baby's born, and it's time to name the baby. And the Bible says that everybody shows up, right? Because everybody's excited. They know this couple's been wanting a child for their whole life. Now they got a child. Everybody, literally everybody and their mama is there. And they want to name this boy. Oh, Zachariah Jr., he's so beautiful. Are you going to name him ZJ? And Liz says, no, 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 no. We're going to name him John. John? Why would you name him John? None of our family has the name John. In that day, you did not name outside of your family. Typically, the name came from, from somewhere within. And, and she says, we're going to name him John. Ask Zach. Like, ask Zach. He can't talk. He's been using gang signs since the day he came out of the temple, right? How are we going to ask Zach? They hand him an iPad, and he scribbles on the iPad. His name is John. 
And it says at that moment, God gave Zach a voice again. And you want to know what the first words out of his mouth were? Check it out, verse 67, his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. The man has been silent for nine months, and as soon as he is given a voice, his first words are praise to God. Now, come on, the very God who silenced him, the very God who said, you don't believe, you're not going to be able to speak. His first words are praise be to God. Yes, yes, Zach had gotten trapped in the thinking that God was no longer able to intervene. But do you get what he's saying now? He is now declaring to be true what he used to doubt. God has come to his people and he's redeeming them. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I, I thought this is a story about a husband and a wife who've always wanted children. They couldn't have children, but God does a miracle, and he, and he gives them this impossible birth. It's a miracle, and Zach would say, yeah, that's part of the story, but this story is so much bigger than that. This is a story about God entering in to redeem his people. I think Zach would say to us, I've been preaching this stuff publicly for a long time but privately I have doubted when it comes to the to the promises of God I have tried to comfort other people with God says this and God says that but privately I had grown numb to those things sure I believe God exists I just didn't think he could break into my world but in this moment Zach declares God has broken in. God has broken into my life that what he says, he does. What he promises, he delivers. God has taken the lid off and he has entered in on the day that that Zach's son, John, is born. Zach just can't quit quit talking about the the faithfulness and the power of his God. And I wonder if people were looking around going, dude, come on, your, your baby was just born. And he's going, yes, and now I see what I never could see before. He's declaring that his son, the baby that he and his wife for decades have desperately desired is going to be the one who points them to the child that fulfills all their longings. Zach is saying, my son is going to point us to the son who has come to save us from our sins. When he looked at his baby, he realized this, this, this is not just about a child who would satisfy the longing of parenthood. No, this is pointing beyond him to the Christ who alone would satisfy every longing of every human heart. In the beginning... Zach prayed, and you knew there was a time he believed. And then at the end of the story, 
He's singing a song of praise to God. But in the middle, he doubted. And he struggled. Which meant, how did he return to praise? And the answer is forgiveness and mercy. I want you to listen to a little bit of Mary's song. She sings this song, his mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. I want you to listen to a little bit of Zach's song. Listen to what he says. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of God. Oh, they both see it. Forgiveness is not achieved with age, gender, status, or credentials. And a moment of unbelief doesn't have to define your relationship with God. Can anybody relate to such a story? Maybe for you, it's the desire for a baby. And there has been no baby yet. Maybe for you, what's in the crib is, it's your health. And yet there has been no healing yet. Maybe for some of you it is a situation of unfairness, uh, something to school. There's been no resolution, um, a team that you want to make and you haven't. Uh, maybe it's a work situation. You, you deserve that promotion and nobody seems to be paying attention um, you're being treated unfairly and nothing yet has changed. Maybe it's a brokenness in your family that you want to see healed and it's not happening. Maybe, maybe you want to get married. Not yet. Or maybe for you it's like I just want a real marriage. And so far there's no delivery. I'm going to tell you. I don't know why. I don't know why. I, I don't know why, not yet. I don't know why, not yet a baby. I don't know why, not yet a marriage. I don't, I don't know why, not yet healing. I, I don't know, and I, I don't know if. I don't. Here's what I do know. I tend to be like Zach. And what I mean by that is I struggle to understand God's pace. God's acting in Zachariah's life. To give him a baby is not just the answer to a prayer that Zach and Liz have been praying since, since they were married. 
it is also the answer to a promise that was given, you ready for this? 2,000 years earlier. (laughs) That's when the, the promise was made to Abraham. All the way back to the book of Genesis, 2,000 years. Sometimes I need to be reminded that God's plan is so much bigger than my lifetime. (laughs) Sometimes we need to be reminded that God's purpose and plan is so much bigger than any of our lifetimes. And if I'm going to truly follow Jesus as though I have nothing to lose, it is going to require that I trust God's goodness, which includes God's pace. I don't have all the information. I don't know what's best for me. So here's one of the steps that I think God's calling me to in 2021. I'm going to keep praying for some things that I think would be best. God tells me to do that. He tells me, God, give me eyes that can see. And if it's things that I think are best for a church or things that are best for my family or things that are best for for a certain situation, God, I'm going to keep praying for those things that I think are best. But you know what I've noticed about me, and maybe this is true about you, sometimes... I just get so focused on what I'm asking God for, but he has not yet given me. That I fail to realize all that he's already spoken to me, but I am not currently doing. So in other words, God, I'm asking you and I'm waiting I think God's going, well, I've told you, and I'm waiting. I'm asking God to help me to be persevering and praying and not give up just because the answer has not yet come, but to not focus so much on what God has not yet given me, but to trust that he's good, to trust that his timing is good, his pace is good, his purpose is good. And in the meantime, God, what are those things that you clearly have said to me? Those things from your word that you have declared, Jeff, this is where I want you to live and help me to obey. Because this is our memory verse for week one. For no word from God will ever fail. Oh if we actually believe that. This is the start of what it looks like to follow Jesus as though you have nothing to lose. Let's pray. Oh, God, there is so much, so much already in one chapter that you have pressed our hearts this week. God, for so many of us, God, it is not a stretch at all for us to recognize our own struggle 
as it parallels, God, the, the struggle for Zach and Liz a long time ago. God, for some, it really may be a child. For others, it, 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 it's, a, it's another relationship, a marriage, it's health, it's, it's finances. God, it's, it's those things, though, that, God, we think we know what we need. And then when you don't deliver immediately, we find ourselves putting a lid on the supernatural, and we just stop expecting you to break in. And God, I'm asking you to do the miracle that really, God, there's no way I can pull this off in my heart. There's no way any of us can pull this off in our heart. God, this has to be, God, the power of your spirit that gives us faith to trust. Faith to trust your goodness which includes your pace. Faith to trust that whether the answer is yes or no or wait, God, you are good. God, will you give us eyes that can see and will you give us faith to believe? God, for some of us, we need to ask for forgiveness and to thank you that a, that a season of our life when we have struggled to believe does not have to define our life with you because you forgive, your mercy is real. God, I, I pray that you would help us to see the very basic truth. It's not ours. We don't own it and we really don't deserve it. Not a thing when we consider our sinfulness and rebellion against you. So God, will you give us eyes to recognize that everything you have given us, it is blessing and it is for a purpose. It is for your greatness. God, will you give us a heart that begins to embrace that? God, today where we say we can't, we're asking you to help us to want to. We're asking you to help us, God, open the lid. Open the lid that we may sing a song of a God who is good, of a God who redeems. I thank you, God, for what you start in us today. Will you give us faith? In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.